You're listening to the Forest School Podcast with Lewis Ames and Gemma Sutherland. And then if I'm talking as well, I'm still slightly louder, even well, though... Well, you are cool. shouting, that's why. Well, that's because I was trying to replicate how I sound when I'm animated. Okay, and excited. I don't believe... What? That's my animated voice. What? Is it Basil Fawlty? I don't believe... No, uh, Victor Meldrew. Yes, one foot in the grave, man. I was taught by Mrs Meldrew's ex-husband... That's Sorry, you were taught... That's a fascinating fact, isn't it? Miss... You know Mrs Meldrew? She was kind of Scottish. Right. Annette Crosby, I think her name is. Right. Yeah. And her ex-husband was one of my teachers at drama school, and their daughter is now, I think, it, I think I'm right in saying, is now an actor that you would recognise, or Rachel someone. Anyway, he's well, a very nice man. Not to one-up it, but I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to, mate. Yeah. My teacher at university, my music teacher, was taught by someone who 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 was Beethoven. <laughs> I am six teachers away. For, and, and obviously my university lecturer was like, and now you students are you seven are, teachers. Yeah. I've impregnated from you with Beethoven. fucking Beethoven. Amazing. Wow. Which so is obviously where I get all of my talent from. Wild <laughs> mood swings. <laughs> I was going to say special needs. <laughs> okay, I go. Um, yeah, what are we talking about? No, first of well, all, how, uh, check in. How, check how are you doing? How am I doing? I'm doing pretty good considering we have just gone into, in the UK, our second? Third. Second, like, full lockdown. Third yeah. kind of national... Th- anyway, Looking back on it, lockdown two just didn't count, did it? It was like a... This is a proper stay at home. The schools have been closed. The second time the schools have been closed, which I think is poignant yes um i kind of am just at a point of it's like it's all behind glass i don't mean emotionally i just mean i'm kind of mm. riding it and just kind of going like oh okay cool yeah. this this will happen but maybe that's i mean and i then i catch myself and i go god what an unbelievable privilege that we are secure enough in so many ways or at least i am and my family is that a national lockdown can happen i can go this is an inconvenience mm. But by no means is this life-threatening. And I think that's worth kind of lots of us remembering that, yeah. like, there are significant parts of the world where, you know, before any lockdowns happened, people were struggling. Mm. And it's only going to get worse. Do we? Are we a bit bored? Yes. Are we a bit frustrated? Maybe. But yeah. on the scope of this. Sorry, if you were going to say you were not feeling great, I just poo-pooed over all of those feelings no, that you might have had. I, yeah. I just invalidated yeah. everything you might have No, found. No, not at all, not at all. No, I feel the same as you in terms of um, when you look at uh, like day-to-day life in our family, not really that much has changed, to be honest, except that someone will go, can we do this? No. Can we do mm. this? No. Can we go here? Can we see these people? No. That's changed, but not much else has really. But, um, but yeah, same as you, really. The thing that makes me the most sad is thinking about how... Uh, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's like thinking about how COVID affects other people and thinking about how lockdown affects other people. And both mm. of those are horrendous for lots of people. Well, and can that's I the sad thing. posit a thing that I think has made us more resilient and possibly has made your family more resilient as well, is I've spoken to a significant number of families who have said to me that this lockdown feels harder... Um, because it's January, it's yep. shortly after the winter solstice here, yep. um, 
it's cold, it's not as appealing as... The last lockdown we had in this country was due... Well, it started in April, but really it went on until kind of June-ish time. Yeah, it's like March, could, didn't it? You could, it was you so could, hot. You it could really sit in the garden, you could April. kind of be like... You know, they were going, oh, there's too many people in the park, but really, you could still go outside. Mm. And I sort of feel like that's been taken away from me less <clears throat> because we're winterized as people. Yeah. My family are a bit more like, okay, we were going to go outside anyway. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go outside in January for multiple days a week in the weather. Yeah. So, whereas for some people, they only want to go outside when it's lovely. Yeah, because they're know, not the, used to it. And that's yeah. completely fine to not be used to it. Why yeah. would you, you know, go and spend ages outside when it is minus two? Because it has been like minus two for days on end here now, hasn't yeah. it? Um, so that's all very well if it's like snowing and it's super fun. But if it's just like grey windy and minus two and you've got young kids like that is really challenging unless you've but had to the, have done it for yeah but it's one of the positives of forest school isn't it is that like anybody who's done forest school for more than a couple of years will be resilient to gray british yeah. winters it's just normalized isn't it yeah it's normalized so i i hope that that is something that lots of our listeners and lots of forest school people can kind of take with them and kind of go oh actually do you know what i do feel pretty winter you maybe have the right boots maybe you do mm. have a good coat that means you can still get out go for a walk yeah maybe and not see people that's social stuff but and the outlook as well because mm. i was like reading something um where some parents were kind of going oh god like you know it's worse this time as well because we've had the experience of trying to homeschool our kids using the um school sent resources and yeah. it's terrible last time we've got that memory of it being terrible mm. and that memory of our relationships being really strained um and so we're like doing it again with all of those memories you know stacked against us already and then somebody saying oh my child's going to find it really hard because um to be sat down for that long because at school um they get to like run around the school field every mm. hour and i sort of read it and i was like that's really interesting that you're pointing that out like unless there's something that means that you can't do that like your child is expected to be on a, in a google classroom all the time why can't you get up and like run mm. around outside like maybe they don't have a garden maybe they live in a flat maybe that's why yeah but i just thought that was an interesting kind of like well obviously we we can't do that so, mm. but why and maybe that is because your your outlook isn't it's normal to go outside yeah and run around yeah. in january because why would you yeah. Well, that kind of neatly brings me on. I wanted to talk about an article that I shared in our Facebook group and had an, uh, a couple of interesting comments with. You haven't read it no. or seen it. So I'll do my best to describe it, but I would encourage you mm. and the people listening to go and have a look at this article. So there is a teacher in, I cannot remember what state, but somewhere in America. Mm -hmm. She is doing what uh, her rationale is to address the gender divide mm -hmm. in STEM subjects. Yep. In her, I think I'm right in saying preschool mm -hmm. class, but it's uh, definitely close to early years. Yep. She read and found that the boys were playing with Legos and that that increased their STEM yep. aptitude, mathematics, yep. spatial reasoning, all these things. She then bought pink and purple Legos mm -hmm. to try and encourage the girls into the STEM area, Ooh, into these things. Yep. Oh my, it, yeah. it, oh, if you think that's the controversial bit, strap in mm -hmm. she has now in this article publicly said she does not allow the boys to play with the lego wow. she only lets the girls play with it yeah and she said when the boys ask me if they can play with it yeah. i always tell them you can have your turn in a bit 
And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, when pigs fly. Whoa. So she believes she is doing something to address the gender divide that the, in these subject areas. But I thought it was really interesting. We talked about gender mm. things a few times on this podcast. And I kind of read it as just a really interesting example of, mm. is that readdressing it? Is that... Uh, this, is that What's discrimination? her reasoning for? I, I kind of I can imagine where she's coming from mm-hmm. in terms of making it like a girl-friendly zone by yeah. making it a girls-only zone. Yeah. I can understand that if you kind of ride with that and go, well, our kids are conditioned in this way anyhow, so let's ride with it and try and use it to our advantage. Mm-hmm. But has she got any reasoning for why she doesn't go? There's two packs of Lego. This is the boys' Lego over here. This is the girls' Lego over here, and the boys aren't allowed in this zone. It's like, a very sh- it's a very small article. Yeah. Doesn't go into much depth. But no, all she has is a girls only after school Lego club. So in oh, the okay. in the it's day. No no, oh, no, okay. no, 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 oh. no. In her daily provision, yeah. only the girls are allowed to play. Yeah. She also has an after school club yeah. which is only open to girls. Right. So in the day the boys can see the Lego and if they ask to play, she says, Yes, the girls are playing with it right That's now. So twisted. So she also has an after school club which is girls only. That's my understanding. So twisted. It's. I just find it very interesting. Wow. As an idea, as a. And I and I I commented on on the discussion we were having, and I said one of the things that I think, um, is going on in my brain, is that she is a part of the group that she is trying to promote as a a teacher who's identified as female. Mm-hmm. She's promoting the 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 female kind of group. Yeah, but to the detriment of the male. Yeah. And that's the sticking point, isn't it? That's the... It's like, if you're doing something for what you think is a good reason, is it hurting other people? Well, yes. Well, is is it that equality, equity... Yeah, but you you can't gain equality by shoving somebody else down. That's not the way it works, in my opinion. Mm. And that's the same... And that kind of reminds me of the turfs, man, the turfs, you know, who are like, we need... We cannot allow trans men to use, uh, you know, trans women to use uh, female toilets, for example, because mm-hmm. uh, men are going to use those toilets and, like, sexually assault real women who are going to be using those toilets. It's like that kind of sort of we protect our rights by shitting on the potential rights of a marginalised group. Like, mm-hmm. well, I guess, uh, I guess the you wouldn't necessarily call the boys in that class a marginalised group, but. Yeah, interesting. I mean, interesting that she cares enough to like experiment. But I would say that if a if a boy yeah, if a boy is asking to play with a Lego and you're saying no, you're not allowed to. Like that is surely not really allowed. Like how is that even well, legal? Well, I mean, what I know, thought was interesting was she, it said that she was prepared to defend it and talk to parents about it. She was like, I think it said she's expecting complaints or something, or she was prepared for it. Um, but what I didn't see in the article was any mention of a leadership team or uh, any sort of like, is this just in her room? Has this been like a top down? The school says we need to readdress this. Like almost not like what army has she got behind her, but like what authority has she got? Because I think that's very different if a school says we're going to address mm. girls in STEM um, by doing this across a school or if one teacher says... I'm going to do it in my classroom. And also, is she doing it just as a thing? Like, is she doing a proper research study? So is she actually going to... doesn't sound like it. Because if you were doing a... 
a thesis or something and you were doing it as part of some social science, then you would need to do the ethical Mm. uh, investigation about that and then get permission from parents. But then how different is this to... So we've read Vivian Gusson-Paley's books Mm -hmm. where she does, I would say, maybe not as controversial, but she is not doing, like here's my thesis, here's the academic research. She just goes, I'm going to implement this in my classroom, I'm going to see what the effect is, and I'm going to write a book. Hmm. I don't know, that's interesting, actually. I wonder, if she, I wonder if she did get kind of consent from parents. She must have done. She must have done. I, I, th- I don't think you can kind of do some research in your classroom and write a book on it, even if you're anonymising the names. Like, it would be good practice to inform the parents that you were doing yeah. that, wouldn't it? Yeah. And to say, we are trying this methodology. And also, I don't think any of her methods exclude anybody. Like, that's the, the opposite of what she's trying to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was an interesting... When you yeah. said it's not an academic thing, I was like, well, that kind of that's how Vivian's books are written, aren't they? It's like, yeah, I yeah, tried yeah. this, and it's, it falls into that soft science thing. But I'd be interested to hear what other people think. It's, it, there's so little in the article that it almost lends itself to a very open-ended discussion about these, yeah. you know, how you implement stuff like this. So would our equivalent be like, um, okay, the boys are not allowed to split wood with the axes, only the girls are allowed to do it. That I guess would so, be, yeah. I that guess would that would be, be interesting. Equivalent. I mean, there is... There are interesting moments. I think there's like loads more to talk about with gender in the forest, isn't there? And there's oh, absolutely. Like, there are interesting moments that I find with some of our kids where um, the boys will sometimes say to the girls, oh, would you like me to do that for you? Oh, would you like me to help you with that? And they're, you know, they're being genuine, but at, like as in genuinely helpful, mm. trying to be. But of course, with that offer comes loads of assumptions about because you couldn't possibly manage that. Because and then that female. gets internalised by the person receiving it, going, yeah. you are perceiving that I'm not doing well at this. Exactly. So, so then that no, gets internalised. Okay. Anyway, I know. It's... And then I find myself like intervening in terms, like, and then speaking for the girl sometimes and going, it's all right, actually. I think, you know, she's fine. And I'm like, mm, is it my place to, to do that? Because mm. then I'm speaking for her and therefore am I kind of undercutting her, any power that she has at all? Well, it kind of... Okay, so this is drifted, but I think this is relevant. So you and I were looking at um, a certain qualification recently that we've since decided we're not going to go for mm-hmm. um, because it was a qualification that uh, you had to get individually. You couldn't yes. get as a group. Yeah. You had to get one yeah. or the other. Um, and uh, one of the reasons that uh, I was talking to the person that organises that and I was saying, you know, we've kind of paused. We won't be doing that. And, they said, and I said, I'm happy to give feedback if you want. Mm-hmm. And they said, yep. Yeah. And they said, well, one of the things about that was that they would only certify a person, not a group. So it would be, I could be certified or you could be certified or we both could be certified. Financially, we couldn't both be certified mm-hmm. because it just didn't make sense for us. Um, and when I was writing the feedback up, I wrote um, that one of their stipulations was that we had to then, in all public things, we had to write this person is qualified in this and this person is assisting or this person is Mm. not. And I said, one of the things that we've tried really hard to do in our business relationship is to have internally and externally, I think we're trying to make it so there's no hierarchy. Yeah. Which we try and do on a gender basis. We try and do on a, you know, when we talk to the parents, when we decision make, when we do all those things. Um, And I, when I was, 
yeah, giving this feedback, I went, I don't know that uh, it would be a good business decision, mm. not for like, <clears throat> we wouldn't get the customers, but for like, you, for our working relationship to have it perceived, even if we went, well, I'll do it, but we know it's both of us kind mm. of thing. To have it perceived from the outside yeah. that one of us is higher than the other. Because it already is perceived in that way. The amount yeah. of times I have to, like, slightly with a bit of a, you know, I don't know what the word is. Uh, Cheeky grin. No, no, no. Pugnacious, that's the word. Oh, okay. With a pugnacious attitude as somebody goes, oh, um, you know, oh, you help out at that forest school up the road, you know, or, oh, so um, you work at Lewis's forest school, or... Oh, you know, there's already yeah, yeah. that assumption so many times, and I have to go. Actually, I, uh, yeah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, and so that would only compound that, wouldn't it? And it definitely is a gender thing because there's no, there's nothing I've given them to give them that clue. No. I mean, they don't know anything more. No, than and as it, and as it becomes, you know, there, I think there was a time at the start where I had been doing this for six months, nine months on my own. Yeah. And so I can kind of understand at the yeah, beginning, yeah. but as we go on, the more and more I'm like, yeah, but that was just me farting around on my own. That's awful. Like, you shouldn't look at that yeah. stuff. And they don't know that I, either. Like, yeah. people who are talking to me about it. No, no, no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Find out about CPD courses at childrenoftheforest.com. Check out the podcast links for more details. So we are sat in our woods. Uh, that is, Jenna. That's a little quote in my family from my father-in-law's speech at our wedding. Yeah. I, he tried to summarise that kind of our wedding wasn't uh, what he would have de- deemed traditional. Yeah. Wasn't you know church? Uh, well, it wasn't a church, but then we went to like a marquee, and I think in his head. It was still that kind of 70s, 80s thing of like, you go to the hotel and the hotel puts the food on or whatever. But he opened his speech. He just took a really long pause and he just looked it down and he just went, we are in a tent. (laughs) (laughs) And it was an incredible, like it summarized everything. But in in our family now, anytime, you know, you just go, we are in a tent. We are in a tent. We are in a tent. We are in our woods. God knows why. We are. (laughs) My daughter is marrying this absolutely <laughs> scruff bag. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. I have made a wood chip road in our woods on my own. It took me fucking ages and I am really tired. It's good though. It's really good. Thanks. It's really good. Lots of wood chip. It's all um, looking very smart. But that may also be because no kids have been here since you've done it. And they're not coming back, are they? <laughs> I assume the, this the is it though. The road must not be walked on. No, no. This is just for. This is just my private kind of garden Land. outside my house now. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Well, I do. I know. I think that's one of those things, isn't it? Like we said, when whenever your site gets a pause, sometimes it's the right thing to do to just to to just pause. Yeah. And go, like. Uh, so one of the good things about lockdown last year was that we just stopped coming to the site in March and April. Mm-hmm. And the site went, it is spring, I am going to go hell for leather. And just had a lovely kind of, I'm going to say blossom, but I mean mm. blossom growth, growing season. Mm. 
It was great. I listened to a thing yesterday that said that, um, you know, in lockdown one, we were all like, oh my gosh, the, like the effect of lockdown on nature has been amazing. Oh yeah, all the planes got grounded, all and the then stuff, yeah. I listened to a thing yesterday that said that that actually is probably bollocks. It was probably exactly the same. It's just that we had slowed down to a point where we could mm. notice it. So I do wonder whether that was the case here, that in our heads we were like, oh, because no groups have been here, like more stuff has grown. And actually it's not just about like how you're feeling when you visit it it's that you have been living at a slower pace for a very long time so your brain has slowed down maybe your ability to observe things because you're not thinking about like oh what am i doing later what am i doing later i've got to meet up with that person i've got to do such and such you've just got an empty blank slate of brain Mm -hmm. and then you're like oh look um i suppose visiting more infrequently as well because you come back and lots of things change rather coming in every day yeah and it was saying about the um yeah the planes grounded and the traffic not being there meant that it was quieter so we were able to observe right. more bird songs so it wasn't more bird song we could just hear it better and things like that well that's still a positive isn't it yeah that sounds like a real downer yeah, yeah. like it wasn't more birds yeah it just oh, listened rubbish. um but one of the things that we wanted to talk about was so if you have a pause over winter it can be quite a good time to improve a site mm. because it's not a time where you go well i'll just step back and the woods will kind of regenerate itself i mean it will to an extent but it's a good time i think to go okay take let's some stock take some stock let's prep some firewood let's get some stuff ready and in the uk we are allowed to uh, go out and do daily exercise aren't we yeah. and travel i don't think there's like a mile restriction just that says, i've seen please it's don't go like outside of your town village local area, local area. yeah um, so, those... but this is part of our work. This yeah. is, and you, yeah, yeah. you know, I can't spread wood chip from home. Yeah, it's it's just not far enough. And um, it is a good time in lockdown as well to be able to have the brain space to really notice things. So you noticed, didn't you, about um, like swings that have been tied up on a tree for ages, and you're like, mm, that tree doesn't look too happy actually. You can take the swings down and put loads of wood chip over its roots. And mm. I'm looking around because you've noticed that and told me. I'm now looking at a lot of the ropes tied to the trees and going. Mm, that looks like it's getting a little bit embedded like what can we do about that and things that you just um take for granted when you're working with groups because you're just all about what's happening now Mm. um and the fact that we don't have groups in as well so you're able to kind of try and prioritize a bit more easily because you're not kind of going okay i don't have time to do all of this stuff it feels to me like i'm doing less so when we're running and the, the wheels are turning um i feel like quite a lot of what i'm doing is like slapping plasters on mm. stuff going right that, that's a bit that's a bit muddy get some wood chip on that little area or get something um because you because making this wood chip path from where we park our cars i've made a wood path wood chip path all the way to the main camp which is probably only 100 meters 200 meters but has taken me about 10 hours if not more and, and a considerable amount of energy and you know, stuff that I wouldn't have done if I was like, oh, I'm going, going, you know, I'm going to be back in here in like 12 hours because yeah. we're going to run another group tomorrow. Do, what do I want to do? Do I want to spend another hour here mm. or do I want to go home and actually rest and recharge? I think there's a difference as well when you're, you know groups are in again. I personally go, oh, let's save that because the kids will really enjoy doing that as well. Let's save that. Yeah, you can really... lie to yourself like that I if you know, want. exactly. Oh, it'll be really worthwhile for the kids to help out. So I won't do that now. And actually, there's a lot of benefit in just going, actually, the kids aren't part of this right now. This is about our relationship with the woods as custodians and 
yeah. it's not about giving the kids an experience or involving them. It's actually about getting some real work done because let's face it, and, you know, and a bit it of, takes a long time. I mean, you could look at it that way. Another way I've realised that I was looking at it was just modelling. That when mm. they come back and they see, oh crikey, you guys have made the path, or you've, oh you've taken all of that down, and and it will spark conversations of like, why isn't that swing there? Oh well, I noticed this and. Mm. stuff that their interest attention span energy levels won't take 18 hours of wood chipping right i mean some of them it will some of them they wood chip for weeks but um it's more of a way of going sort of sparking that conversation of going Mm. well part of being here is i want to have a relationship with these trees they can't move so we've got to look after them they give us firewood they give us all these things um so we wanted to talk about different kind of ways that we winterize our site, not winterize ourselves, because we've done that in a different episode about, I think we kind of talked about that, about burnout episode. Mm. I feel like it came into there. Um, but so wood chipping is one of the, the main ways I think we look after the woods. Um, and because I'm just going to answer a question that is all over Facebook every winter, muddy paths, we've got muddy paths, we've mm. got muddy paths, what do you do about muddy paths? Yeah. Um, and the options range from uh, like pontoons, have you seen those when people yeah. make them out of um, pallets and you kind of skip but they get muddy and then you go, well, why don't you cover them with chicken Slippery, wire? Yeah. And, and then you go, oh, that rust and it just yeah. becomes a bit of a faff. Um, so what, Christmas trees? It's all about Christmas Sneading trees. Sneading Christmas trees. So what we have down. hit upon is in the winter, just after Christmas, you're not going to get this in enough time, I'm afraid. Everybody will have already... Mm. You might. You might be able to find somewhere. Yeah. But what we do is sned. So sneading is taking all the branches off christmas trees and lay them down like a mat and then cover it with wood chip and what that mat does is when you step on a muddy path the reason your foot sinks is because all that energy that weight is going into just the size of your footprint but putting down the christmas trees and then the wood chip so your foot would still go through wood chip but putting the christmas trees down like a mat sort of disperses the energy of footfall over a wider area and means that the impact is more like hitting it with a big rubber mallet rather than driving nails in. Yeah. Um, People do say, like, where do you get wood chip from? And it took us a while to find a reliable source, didn't it? And lots of... It's one of those questions that comes up on Facebook quite a lot. And um, lots of people go, oh, use Highline or use these, like, massive firms of um, tree surgeons that do work for um, the electrical... Yeah, highways, maintenance, Yeah, all all of that stuff. stuff. And go, oh, they'll give it to you for free when when they're in your area. And I've put us on the waiting list for that you know, two years ago, and we've never had a call from them. Um, But instead, we have a relationship with our local tree surgeon. So he comes and does the tree surgery that needs doing in the woods, and we buy wood chip from him. Um, And it started out as like a bit of a freebie. And then, especially as our site got muddier, and it's harder for him to deliver, and he gets stuck in the mud and all that kind of thing. So we do pay for it. Um, but we get a good deal because we've got a good relationship with him and we put work his way and he gives us a discount on wood chip. So I would, and I would heartily say, recommend getting, you know, getting a relationship going with somebody local to you who knows what they're doing about trees. And it's much, you know someone local to you is basically always going to be local to you mm-hmm. and that, that means that there is a demand locally for, you know, wood, tree surgeons, which means there's going to be a supply of wood chip. One of the issues I've heard from other people and... The few times, because um, somebody that used to work here does, does work for Highline, mm-hmm. and so we did get some wood chip from them a few oh, times. Oh. But the way that Highline work is that they'll go and do this section of the motorway. So for um, two months, let's say, 
they would offer you 300 tons of wood chip mm. and then they'll disappear for two years because that's no longer the highway's priority and you know the the guy that used to work here with us was he worked here you know within um and his chainsawing work was within an hour of here and then the next six months he had to rent a flat in wales because that was where the jobs were so it, it moves so much that it's better to find someone local i think yeah. and go okay let's just get this circle going um it's you know it's yeah. it's the equivalent of shop local isn't it yeah um and I regret not doing it more earlier on because we've had some larch trees that have died around main camp. And you'll never necessarily know why that is. They haven't got larch dieback, have they? Um, no. But um, I just worry that it is because they're like the compaction the of the soil yeah. because they're around, like it's a bit of a coincidence that they're around main camp and that perhaps if we had had a regular supply of wood chip back in the day and started doing that because the soil erosion is something that you don't notice until you suddenly go oh look at that mm. um, yeah. yeah definitely and I think it's it is I mean there's also that we're here all the time so we notice these trees are you know dead more I'm sure there are other larches in in our woodland that True. are standing deadwood but because we're not there you know we sit here yeah you know 40 hours a week because we work a full-time job because we're great we don't we're here not that much um <laughs> but you know it's that thing isn't it? it's like you you only observe what you're familiar with let's say yeah um but it does lead on to like so you were talking about ropes and actually swings are something that i'm yet to find a solution for having permanent swings with that isn't you just have to put wood chip underneath mm. uh, every two months because with it, with all the kind of culture building of like hey guys this is how we look after the woods and this is how we use the swing um children will scuff their feet to slow down that's naturally mm. what we do that there's i mean you're not going to get children that go no no we swing until we come to a natural stop and then we put our feet down um what i did find worked quite well was clay yeah, and that then wood chip. Well, didn't it? The clay. So we have because we're in Devon, clay is everywhere. So it's not a commodity that we again we didn't have to buy it. We just got it out of the ground. It's confusing, isn't it? We got it out of the ground to protect the ground. Put it on the ground. Yeah. Just shifted just, it. Shifted it yeah. a bit. But that seemed to be hard wearing enough that it meant that I could top it up with wood chip every now and again. Um, whereas just general soil was eroding. Yeah. So fast. Um, and the other option, I suppose, is people who are on like a permanent site is to move swings, to move camps. Yeah. Not something we're particularly privileged enough to have on our site. Um, it's very slopey. It's very slopey. And also it's very close. So we're on the border between our site is sort of half plantation and half old woodland. But the plantation has kind of spilled over and grown through the old wood bit. Um, and I would say other than where we are, there's very few spaces that you could have a main camp. Yeah. We can't have another camp 200 metres over that way or, or down the hill or whatever because you'd have to cut so many trees out to clear a space mm. that yeah. we just have to go, okay, we, we preserve this site 
more yeah. rather than let it go fallow. I imagine if we even had the ability to do that, the emotional upheaval of having to do that, you know, the more time you've invested in making the fire pit really nice, like you've built some great benches, you've got the parachute to go up in exactly the right place. Um, and even if you could move, you'd be like, oh, I really don't want to. But um, if it means that trees don't die, then it's worth doing. Mm. I think the advantages that you could have, um, and I've talked to some people that do have rotating sites or have summer camps and winter camps, mm. is that you can set them up to be winter specific. Mm. So one of the things that we have is like our site is very winter specific because we're on a hill, we're northwest facing. So we go, right, we've got shelter in from the wind. In the summer, sometimes I look at stuff and I'm like, why is it so closed in? Why is it so kind of yeah. bulked down? And then it gets to, you know, October and you go, oh, yeah, that's, that's why. Yeah. So I guess one of the advantages would be a very open summer camp mm. and then a very sort of cosy winter camp. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the other thing that I think has been very useful in terms of winterizing is, so let's get let's get storytelling right now guys the holly king is in full swing the oak king is right now a tiny baby is been reborn but the holly king is mostly what you can see and by that i mean almost everything deciduous has gone down it's just holly sticking up and it's a really good time to take stock of the visual impact that you're having on the i think to be able to go you know when this in the summer you have green light coming in from everywhere and everything's very bushy and you can um, you can sort of get carried away of everything. And I think when it gets stripped back, I suddenly see the things a bit more and kind of go, ooh, okay. I think in we, terms of like that looking very man-made, there's too much man-made there's, there's a lot of stuff going on and it makes me, it leads me into that reflection of how much are we playing with the nature and with the environment and how much have we built so many swings or so many tree houses or you know dens that have become semi-permanent that you go this is a playground now Mm. and it's only when all the you know when the holly kind of is the only thing left that you go actually there's a lot of straight lines maybe or there's a lot of stuff that Mm. needs kind of a bit like the the oak king it needs breaking down so that we can re rebirth it yeah, it it's very it's very stark, isn't it? And you noticed that a shelter we built was visible from quite some distance away and mm-hmm. needed camouflaging, didn't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to cut that bit out? No, it's fine. <laughs> um, it's temporary, a temporary structure. It, it's a very yeah. temporary structure, but it's just a bit white. So yeah, we'd used a, a, a white sort of see-through tarp. And as I was driving in, again, because our site is at the top of a hill, I could just see a big square rectangle. And yeah. I thought... Not nice. not in any like, oh, we're going to get in trouble or, oh, people will see it. I just thought, oh, that doesn't look nice, really nice, does it? Yeah. If I, you know, I live near here and if I looked up and I could see in a woods a very square white building, oh, it's not building, a square white tarp, I might go, oh, that sort of spoils my yeah. idyllic Devon view. Um, so again, it's just a case of kind of taking stock mm. and kind of, and the other thing is that it's the right time of year. One of the things I would recommend people do, and I'm not very good at doing this, I have peaks and troughs of doing it, is when you walk around in the summer, either very discreetly with spray paint or with some sort of ribbon, you mark the stuff that's dead. Mm. Because you can't cut it in the summer. It's not good mm. for nesting. It's not good for 
falling on stuff that's growing uh, is probably when your site is the busiest. The trees, if they've got any life left in them, are giving it that last kind of go. But what you need to do is be marking stuff and just, you know, putting a little, you know, fluorescent dot on it or marking it in some way that when it gets to now, you can walk around and go, okay, that was nearly falling down this summer. Yeah. Now's the time to safely take it yeah. out get some firewood prepped yeah it's also the time for coppicing and dead hedging and uh, um, hedge laying i mean mm-hmm. if um if you have such things on your site which i wish we did well it's so cool i'll be honest i hedge lay a lot of the sycamore that is how i've decided to tackle the sycamore in our woods is to kind of let it split and let it because it's so resilient um that you know you can either push a boulder uphill or you can try and go, okay, yeah. how does this... Bl- well, that's coppicing, isn't it? Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's the deal. And it's good and it's useful and you can decide what bits you're going to leave for how long so you can get different thicknesses of wood for different things. Yeah. I've recently, this this is the first year that I've done it uh, to the height that I've done it, but I bought um, 30 hazel trees. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I haven't shown Have you. Put you. Them in yet? Oh, they're everywhere. They're literally yeah. everywhere. But but I intentionally <laughs> dotted them around um, because it's the right time to do planting because everything's dormant and it gives it the right time. Um, but I bought them at ninety to one hundred and twenty centimeters, mm-hmm. so they're the size of a kind of eight-year-old, nine-year-old. Um, because we have some good coppice spots that we've put in. When we came here, when we we sort of set up, there wasn't that much coppice. There's coppice stuff on the hedgerow at the bottom, on the hedge bank. But other than that, there's not that it's much... It's like very old coppice, isn't it, as yeah. well? Like the sweet big chestnut. Ch- yeah, big chestnuts and things. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to do is make a middle story so we get a bit more wind break. Um, and the coppices, the coppice areas that we've made are these kind of... I guess they're kind of the size of, like, a classroom-ish. And we've just gone, we'll put loads of hazel in there, we'll put loads of willow in there and do whatever... Um, whereas this time I intentionally have dotted them all through the woods, mm-hmm. planted mostly in pairs to kind of give them a buddy, give them something to mm-hmm. grow together with. Um, but hopefully them being a bit bigger has kind of jump-started that process a little bit more. Yep. So when they grow, they're hopefully going to be getting on for two metres in the next year or so. Yeah. Um, and that's that's something that you can only do in the winter and only i mean you could do that with groups um but this is the first here's a here's a sneaky tip if you want one uh the post hole diggers are if you can get a second hand one under 100 quid petrol powered post hole digger Mm -hmm. just like a big drill so i planted those 30 trees all over our three acre woodland in about 40 minutes Mm. because i just walked a route and just go and then walked the same route again with the trees going tree clump tree clump and we've done tree planting with kids before where you do it by hand Mm. and yes it's a more it's a less invasive procedure because you can move roots you can dig you can see how the soil feels the 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 digger is a bit of a like just plow through i will make a hole Mm. um so for speed it was great but it's that trade-off isn't it of like you know what do you want out of the experience is it a teaching experience mm. is it a, just a, uh, a thing that they come in and you go I've planted all these trees yeah so, so that we can build this together applications for forest school training are now open 
at childrenoftheforest.com. Check out the podcast links for more details. Wow, I'm still recording. Yeah, I just left again. Do you have a New Year's? Do you do New Year's resolutions? No. Personally? No. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Stop doing it as a kind of like... As a resolution. You as a resolution. No more resolutions yeah, this year. because if you do resolutions right, it, it, it implies that you were in some way shit the previous year. And that Ooh. you're going to like, new year, new you. Like, why? What was wrong with you before? What was How long wrong? you got? You know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of implies, oh, you know, I was a bad person and I did some bad stuff. Like, that's not healthy. That's not a good way to start anything, is it? It's like, yeah, it's the same. It's too long. 12 months, same. I can't do anything over 12 months. I genuinely can't. And, you know, if, <clears throat> I quite like uh, quarterly targets or six weeks targets. You know, I think that's why... That's the way my brain works is still in teaching like half terms and terms yeah. and like doing whatever. But and also you can you can dig in for motivation a bit more over twelve weeks or six weeks than you can over like twelve months is so long to to give yourself like a also to give yourself like a pass fail oh, yeah. to go like I will because quite often they're like fitness or wet they're like body yeah, based aren't they because you've just eaten your so body weight in diet food culture base and it's also like um oh, i don't know what i was gonna say now it's like um yeah i mean I, I can't i can't do any kind of target basically if you weren't doing it already it probably means like this is my viewpoint yeah, yeah. you may feel differently because you may be more target driven but um I kind of feel like if it wasn't something you were doing already, then it's probably not worth doing or possible doing. My my feeling is always that the skill is in getting back on the wagon, not in sitting on the wagon for the longest time and then falling off and then going, oh, I did three months, that was great. It's like, so my thought is always like, well, if you want to do a thing, start it. If that's Tuesday, start it on Tuesday. Don't go, I'll wait till... Monday, so it's a clean week. Because that's your brain going, I want all the endorphins and dopamine of like having set a target and being lovely. But if I can delay it and maybe some other things will get in, you know. Um, So I, as much as I say I work in kind of six weeks blocks, it starts when I want it to start. It doesn't start because the calendar ticks over because whatever else. Um, But what I have found very useful is giving myself yearly themes to check in on and they are uh something i've taken from um cgp gray who is a very big youtuber and podcaster and does a great podcast for self-employed people called cortex and it's about like working and motivation and productivity and all these things but with like a uh, you know with a focus on kind of how do you mentally trick your brain into doing stuff how do you set yourself up well to do these things and um they kind of describe it as almost more like a north star than a pass fail yeah so you you pick it something that you go do you know what? how does it relate back to this idea how do am i moving because then any progress is progress so you don't go oh i only lost um five kilos and i wanted to lose seven for whatever reason you think seven is the magic number um or you know i wanted to read 50 books and i only read 39 if you just go this year of reading Mm. then you can kind of keep checking back in and going have I done anything today or done anything this week 
that it push that is moving me forwards towards my and year it's, of it reading. is more uh, lends itself better to our, the way our brains work I guess in terms of like uh, spotting patterns so sometimes mm-hmm. it just gives you that nice feeling because it's maybe something you're already doing but because you've themed it you look back on it and go oh there's a pattern emerging there there's a pattern mm. of yeah that also links to that that also links to that that links to it in a roundabout way um, and kind of makes you feel like there's a theme even yeah. if it's a lot of stuff that you were already doing but you feel better about it because it kind yeah. of connects and it gives you a good I think it gives you a good professional lens to look at business offers that come in or how you're running your groups to kind of go not have I got five more people to join my toddler group but going have I improved uh, have I you know done something towards nature connection because that's my theme this year Mm -hmm. have I done you know and so they go and then someone says do you want to lead the um the maths thing this year and you go you reflect back and go okay is that moving me in positively in a nature connection or is that gonna because everything's a trade-off isn't there there's no you can't just add stuff that's the the other thing with new year's resolutions is people go uh i will give up absolutely nothing i will just read more Mm. i will watch these 50 films i will do whatever whereas a theme makes you kind of go okay maybe there's something i can drop because that's not moving me towards the theme and i Mm. might pick it up later or it it might not come back only say yes at the moment to things that link with that theme and go well everything else could just be on pause for a second Mm. i'm just focusing on this yeah um yeah i think that's good so my uh, theme for and uh, and we've decided that we're going to keep checking in on these on the podcast partly as an accountability thing but also as part of our i think part of having a theme is reflecting on it so i have i have also got a journal that i'm going to start reflecting in um because my theme for uh, the same theme this year for work and for my personal life um which i'm going for gratitude and reciprocity i couldn't think of a pithy way of putting that together Mm -hmm. um but i am reading or listening to the book braiding sweetgrass which we're going to talk about in this episode but it very much talks about like relationships and gratitude with people but also with the natural world and we used to in our groups finish with a let's say something we're grateful for and that kind of dropped off because we were focusing on other things the group dynamic changed I'd like to bring it back. I'd like to, mm. but adapt how we do it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, how do you set it up? I definitely am down with it as a thing mm. because all of the benefits of gratitude have been, you know, documented and it yes. being like the key to happiness. I don't know how they do these studies, but I remember reading about, um, you know, researchers into happiness and the only thing that they could definitely pinpoint and go, yes, this makes people happier is gratitude. It wasn't money. It wasn't any of those like tangible things. It was the ability to feel great for things Hmm. Um, which is you know if you know that then you do want to be able to elicit that from your groups don't you but how you do it is so important well I think I'm hoping that it will change my already reading this book has changed my relationship I think with the woodland Um, I'm not sure whether to go into it or whether we'll dig into this more I think we'll have lots to talk about when you and I read it so I'm going to talk about one bit that's in it um, which is where this lady is is weaving together um, traditional knowledge and scientific knowledge and spiritual knowledge mm-hmm. and saying that is the braid of these three things. And she's working with some um, writing students in a university um, who have all chosen to do... It's like ethno-writing... Something, no, um, bot- botanical writing. Like a, mm-hmm. so it's to do with literacy, but it's also to do with the plant work. And she's saying... 
you know, on a scale of one to ten, how much would you say that you um, l- enjoy nature or you like nature? Mm-hmm. Um, you love na- oh, that's it. It's love. How mm-hmm. much do you love nature? And they're coming up, you know, the high eights, nines. Some of them say ten. I just I love it. Mm. Uh, and then she's saying, and how much do you think nature loves you? Mm. And they all kind of are silent, and then they're kind of like. Well, you know, they they have this view that humans are only ever a detriment mm. to the environment. And that is kind of what we're faced with a lot of the time is, mm. you know, we see the negative sides of human interactions. We see the detriment that we do, the damaging way we farm, the damaging way we use fossil fuels, all these things. Um, so then she reframes it and says, uh, how would it change someone's worldview if they thought that nature loved them? Yeah. And they talk about these things, and then obviously the students are sparked off, and they go, "Well, you would have a different, you know." And so, and then she goes, "Well, how would you know? How would you know if someone loved you? Well, they would support you. They would give you gifts. They would look after your needs. Um, they would challenge you in some ways that would help you grow." And then she starts to kind of unpick it and go, "Okay, well, look at what nature. You know, mm. look at the the food, the warmth, the." materials all these things of going actually all of those things you've signified are in there Mm. why haven't you seen them Mm. what how are you not seeing them so that led me to kind of go I want my lens to be of gratitude Mm. of kind of um and, and the reciprocity bit being that that is actually a more um sustainable way to do things so when we saw Jenny she was talking about the gift tree the, yes. the ceremonial tree that they leave things at the end and that something about that resonated with me Same. um and they were saying and it's this idea that like if you so what i was thinking about for our sessions was like if you've had a great day playing with a certain stick you've had a, a, an absolute war games marathon if you could find the tree that gave you that stick or any tree that gave you a stick and put something there put some wood chip on it put some uh, some, I don't know, some berries next to it. Something that kind of then just kind of, it becomes more, you know, it, it's almost like a framework in your brain that goes, oh, I'm looking after the relationship with the tree. Mm. But on an ecological thing, that's you restoring some soil. That's you putting some minerals back in. That is actually benefiting the tree. In a weird, I saw a weird, if you want to see, a, a, if you want your head to explode, I saw a thing the other day that said, how can you make the argument that trees are not farming people? Mm-hmm. They keep us alive with oxygen. They give us food, right? They are through encouraging like us to do things. They propagate, like we propagate for them. Mm. And, and they're just like, trees are just farming humans. That's all they're doing. I've never heard that with trees, but I've heard that with wheat. And if you read Sapiens, yeah. then he says that. And it just like, yeah, that completely spun me out and made me feel very depressed. Ugh. But anyway, so my theme of, gratitude and I want to build this in to my personal life and my and our professional kind of routines uh and so I'm going to be checking in as we do the podcast about how I've been doing what I've been doing towards that theme Mm. I guess yeah support the podcast today by becoming a patreon member at childrenoftheforest.com check out the podcast links for more details that's cool. I have chosen um, sustainability, which is kind of something that should be happening all the time. And obviously, 
in an ideal world as forest school practitioners we're thinking about that all the time but I wanted to make it more in the forefront of mm-hmm. like decisions that I make in terms of ideas that I have um, and really focus on that and yeah hold myself accountable as you were saying that's a really good like way to sort of if people are thinking like oh what might that my theme be is think about something that's been in the background mm. that you want to put the spotlight on yeah and it's something definitely that's of benefit to share with kids um and talk about and and uh yeah explain how it's influencing your decisions so one example might be the kids going oh we really want to buy this resource or whatever it's like "Mm, we could how could we do that in a sustainable way or Mm. what impact is that having if we buy that piece of plastic based stuff or whatever um so yeah researching alternatives and every time especially with getting resources or disposing of resources that are broken and things like that and going what is the most sustainable way that I can do this rather than the quickest or cheapest um and obviously that's a bit of a privilege isn't it to be able to go well I you know I could get this cheap version or I can go pay slightly more and get a sustainable version well I think that's one of the things that makes a theme better than a uh so a similar Intention might be people who go, my New Year's resolution is to not buy anything new. But then you've tied yourself into this this very difficult position sometimes where you, you might go, well, the only way I can financially afford this thing that I need is to buy it new because mm-hmm. second-hand ones are more expensive or they're rarer or they'll take long. You know, where is going? Is this, is this in our sustainability theme mm-hmm. means that you're not breaking anything, we're not failing if this... You just go... Okay, there'll be other ways that we have moved this towards being more sustainable. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's it's an interesting time, you know, having just had the year that we've had um, of sort of fluctuating lockdowns and tears, and uh, it makes you quite aware, I think, of what you are consuming and what you are taking on board. Um, and particularly, you know, we've just had a very interesting christmas period in the uk and you know we talked to to jenny about kind of going okay well what am i doing why do i need all those things what you know i'd be interested to know what the sales of christmas homeware were Mm. this year how many people because for some people they will have gone my mental health really needs there to be some extra decorations some you know uh, a dancing father christmas in the corner of every house that's how i'm going to get through this and some people will have gone do you know what? My, the finances this year mean that's maybe I would have bought them every other year without thinking about it, or um, you know, just kind of. Uh, it sounds very silly or very trivial to be like it's almost like going. What would they have done in like the Great Depression? Yeah. You well, know? interestingly, my other theme, which I've just realised um, this morning, is a theme for me, kind of personally, but will spill over into um, forest school. Is year like, of depression. No, it's the year <laughs> of, like, so I'm really interested in social history and social history of like the average person rather mm-hmm. than the posh rich people that are they are the histories that are documented the most, aren't they? The, yes. the people who've got the time and the money to paint amazing um, paint amazing pictures or mm-hmm. have their portraits painted, and I'm more interested in like the lost everyday domestic things um, mm-hmm. and it turns out those kind of things lend themselves really well to forest school because it is going back to nature and crafting and making useful items, for example, with mm-hmm. the natural world. So um, I started making rush lights 
this week oh, wow. just for fun and like you know three weeks away three weeks ago i didn't know what a rush light was and um yeah read some stuff about like tudor history and how women and children would spend the evenings making rush lights so peeling green rushes and getting the pith from the inside mm-hmm. soaking them in fat and then using them like a very fast burning candle mm-hmm. so it's people who are too poor to even afford very many candles and that's what you would live by and you'd spend the summer harvesting the rushes when they're their plumpest and spend your evenings peeling them peeling them peeling them making yeah. a massive stash ready for winter and the dark days and um and then doing that and then i was researching them and they found that actually poor people living in um, rural areas were using those even in Victorian times, so really quite recently, wow. from, you know, 500 yeah, yeah. years ago up to not that long ago, um, and things like that, and kind of immersing myself and having a go, because, mm. and it also feeds into gratitude as well, because as I was doing it, my other half was watching me doing it, going, what, what are you doing? And I explained, and he was like, whoa, we don't know we're born, do we? I was like, mm. yeah, that's really interesting. So it makes you take a step back and go, actually it wasn't that long ago that we were yeah. having to rely on these kind of methods jesus how easy is it now for us well to and how switch? you know grateful one of the things that i would like to do in our sessions on the gratitude front is to kind of go as part of our reflection at the end is to go what have you been given today mm. given by the woods given by somebody else somebody else given by the weather something that you can ju- because you there will there'll never be a session i can't imagine a session where you go i wasn't given a stick yeah. Or what you weren't given, what you weren't given a, a hug. You weren't given a, a hammock by yeah. something. You weren't given but a even, place to hang your hammock by the tree. You know, it's that level of like yeah. the tree gave you a place to hang your hammock. Yeah, and also non-physical things like I was given help by somebody yeah. when I had that th- problem, or I was given a laugh when somebody cheered me up. Or that's really cool. That's a really nice way of phrasing it actually, because um, when you say to a bunch of not random adults because it's usually a group that you've mm. been with for a while but a group of people who didn't know each other before and then at the end of the session you go you know what made you grateful that's quite a tough question but putting it phrasing it that way um yeah. i've been make- given a lovely seat oh, this this <laughs> yeah, tree has given yeah. me somewhere to sit today yeah and just re- reflecting back on that and going it doesn't have to be massive things yeah that's hopefully what i think what i'm hoping i will get out of this year of gratitude for me yeah is I'm hoping that the reciprocity bit comes as a result of being grateful. Like yeah. that in almost a like Catholic guilt way, if I notice more things that I'm grateful for, I will feel compelled to give back in a different way. Yeah, which also brings you joy. So it's like a yeah. kind of cycle, isn't it? Which will then be more sustainable because I will be oh, yeah. knocking on these things and going, right, this yeah. tree is actually very important, this log that we're sitting on. Yeah. So I'm not just going to buy a you know plastic garden chair and gonna you know and to do it in a sustainable way you'll probably end up doing things that our forefathers and mothers would have done therefore playing into social history and its relationship with nature i had a thought the other day which related back to something that you have said in the past and i was like oh i want to ask Gemma about this it's not to do with themes Mm. per se um but you and i i don't know whether we talked about it on the podcast or whether we've just talked about it in person we talked about how Oh, there's a lot of pitfalls here. So I'm going to use air. If you're unsure about a word, imagine I've put air quotes around it. So you and I have talked before about how home jobs, female jobs. Oh, house, jobs and blue jobs. Housecraft jobs. Yeah. Right. Air quotes wherever you want that to make that. Okay. Um, Pink jobs and blue jobs came from a vicar that you knew, right? Yes. Uh, it came from my, my wife had to do a marriage preparedness course. 
so anyway. And he called them pink jobs and blue jobs. He called them pink jobs and blue jobs. Um, but, so we've talked about how what might be considered pink jobs, mm. especially going back in your social history kind of theme, mm-hmm. were things that needed a lot of time in the day, but spaced out. Check the bread, go mm-hmm. and check the thing, go and check the thing, mm-hmm. go and do five minutes of this, go and do five minutes, go and put the washing in mm-hmm. the thing. Go, you know, there, mm. whereas traditionally maybe blue jobs mm-hmm. were do this until it's done. Mm-hmm. Cut the tree down until it's done. Mm-hmm. Dig this hole until it's dug. Mm-hmm. Do the thing, you know, so there kind of yeah which okay. goes back to the thing of men get flow and women don't get flow yes is that what you're going to say no so what i wondered was whether you could make the i don't know whether this is a leap that childcare traditionally a pink job mm-hmm. does it then follow that childcare is a job that you should check in on sporadically yeah as is the forest school model mm. of going around helicoptering and going mm. I just go and see if they're all right. Mm. I just go and see. But that meaning of helicoptering, as opposed to helicopter parent in inverted commas, yes. which is that you hover next to your kid all the time, going, "What no, are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? Am I improving you in some way? If I'm not, I need to add some yeah, value. Sorry, that's, add some value. That's some not value. the helicoptering I'm talking about. I'm talking about kind of getting a higher yeah. look and just yes. checking in on those things, and whether that comes. And historically, that would have been the way for sure. Yeah, that kids so you have would have gone loads of freedom. Yeah would have just gone off or been busy doing something and occasionally you check in with them just to check if anyone's died. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which is what I fell back on yesterday and that's why yesterday was a good day at my house whereas the previous day I've been like, right, come on, we're doing this, then this, then this, and la la la, come on, I'm going to force you through the sausage machine <laughs> and turn well, you into a sausage. Well. Yes. Because I need to, because that's my job and I will be a failure if I don't do this and so you have to respect that so you have to do what I say you know one of those days in lockdown one of those family days it wasn't even that bad it was just that I was trying to get them to do some writing but um you know whereas yesterday I was like okay I'm just gonna back the heck away and I just backed and I backed and I backed and I backed and then I got on and I was like this means I actually have some time and because I'm not a Tudor housewife I am a 21st century housewife I was like, I don't actually know what to do because I've done most of the jobs that are not completely boring. Um, I'll just like do some stuff on the computer. And then lo and behold, my two children came. We're bored, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just learning about Japan. We want to learn about Japan? I know, let's have lunch sitting on the floor and eat noodles. Like, we did, we did. I was like, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, and it was the forest school way, as you say, isn't it? Like, okay, well, if everyone's happy, I'm not going to go and interrupt them and force them to do something else. If everyone's happy and involved in play and in flow, I'll just get on with doing something and probably someone will be interested in it. Mm. I'm going to do something I consider worth doing, whether it is a bit of woodwork or a bit of, yeah, looking after the forest or lighting the fire because we need to cook in a bit or whatever. And someone inevitably will go, what are you doing? Mm. Oh, can I play? But it's also a thing that's seen as a, a detriment by lots of educators, I think, is it? people will say I don't get to spend any sustained amount of time with a group because I'm forever dotting around all the tables in the classroom or I'm forever teaching that group then that group then that group and actually flipping that on its head and going well that's how childcare, how lots of children's learning has been for centuries has been an adult just Mm. dipping in every now and again yeah um but I would say before we go I'd be really interested to hear people's themes either from a you'd like to be held accountable or held accountable sounds very if you think it would be helpful to go I'm going to put this in the Facebook group so that people can see what I'm going to do um, and then in a month's time or a week's time when the next podcast comes out it's a little reminder to you that goes oh 
Have yeah. you made anything? Um, stick them in the Facebook group or stick them on our Instagram or wherever you see this. That would be yeah. fantastic. And if not, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Cool. Bye. 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 If you like this podcast and want to support more episodes, you can donate through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash children of the forest to show your support for the Forest School podcast.